Hi everyone, my name is Natalie Ledwell and this is The Inspiration Show. Today in the show I have a really good friend of mine. He um, is the author of the book Pivot um, and The Movement of Pivot, which we're going to be diving deeper into in just a moment. But before I introduce my special guest, I just want to remind you that when the show is over, don't forget to click the link below this video to download the free ebook version of my best-selling book, Never In Your Wildest Dreams. So let me please introduce my special guest, Adam Markell. How are you, Adam? Lovely to be here today, Natalie. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's always a pleasure um, having you in chatting with you. We're, we're a member of both uh, the Transformational Leader Council and the Association of Transformational Leaders together. Um, you do incredible, amazing work in the world. And, and I know that this topic of pivot is exceptionally um, relevant to our audience and our community. Um, because I think that many of us, especially in the time of the life that we're at, are going through some kind of transition or some kind of change, you know, whether that's through career or children leaving or divorce or whatever that is. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, what you teach and what you practice is really um, instrumental in helping people through that transition. But before we get into that topic, why don't we start a little bit with your background and how you got into doing this kind of work? Oh my goodness! I'm gonna go back that far, huh? Um, I've asked, I've been asked that question. It's a great question to start with. You know, how'd you get to where you are and all that kind of thing. I'll say it wasn't. There's no. Um, it was pain. I, I I transitioned out of practicing law, having done that work for 18 years, and waking up in the morning and, and feeling very much on guard, very much um, even a feeling of dread about the day. I wasn't excited about it, and I. I was in a great deal of pain and I had to make a change at that time. I didn't, I didn't know any other way out. And I think that's very true for a lot of people that the world are designing the changes on some level ahead of the curve, if you will, or we're waiting for things to change some other way. You know, like you said, whether it's an illness or a divorce or a business that goes bad. I was sort of in between those two places. I wanted to change. I didn't know what to do. I was in a great deal of pain, and it, it eventually put me in the hospital. When I, I lied on a gurney in the hospital thinking I was having a heart attack that turned out to be an anxiety attack, I realized something was definitely off. And we needed to do something about it. So two and a half years later, through a process that we, we get to talk about and teach around the world now called Pivot, we made some changes. Yeah. So, so tell me what um, what's your definition of pivot? What does that mean to you? It's a word that means change. Mm. You know, it, it means in different contexts. I, I think of pivot as evolution or innovation as well, because it's a very positive term or in, or in business terminology. Sometimes a pivot means a failure, something that didn't go according to plan. Like YouTube, for example, was a video dating site. Most people I mention that to don't know that. So they, you know, the video part worked, but the dating part, you know, the dating aspect of it didn't work. And think of YouTube today. I mean, it's a you know, prolific company. Had they continued to just try to force that thing through, make it right somehow, not pivot, if you will, not make a change, they might not be around today. And that's very true in lots of businesses. You've got to innovate or die. Right. If you don't innovate, you die. Absolutely. So what are the components of a successful pivot? Well, first and foremost is clarity. You, you've got to be clear in wherever we're at. And I love the analogy of 
in a car driving and, and the windshield is dirty. I grew up on the East Coast and sometimes the windshield washer fluid, if you hadn't filled it up or if you had a big storm and used it all up, the, you know, you'd go to very little sudden you could see very clearly. I think that's indicative of how we feel at times in our lives, whether it's in our relationships or our health or our business. If we can't really see very clearly ahead, we tend to slow down and even sort of stop on the side of the road waiting for something to happen to create that clarity. So the first part of the pivot process is creating clarity. The second part is how it is you use that clarity to take some new action. So part, part one, the book is structured in three parts, but part one is very much about beliefs because so much of what gets in the way of our clarity are the things that we believe, even the things we don't know where we believe, but we discover, you know, they're unconscious beliefs. And, and the second part is how we take action, and that's very much our behaviors. So what is it that we do on a daily basis, including the rituals, the things we do habitually? Right. So what do you find is a common theme when it comes to the limiting beliefs or the, you know, the, those sabotaging thoughts that hold us back from, you know, living the life that we, you know, truly deserve? Well, fear is, is really high at the top of the list. Mm. People are... And fear is an insidious thing. So it shows up in, in very subtle ways. Like for me, I'll say, I have, uh, I crave certainty and I'm addicted sometimes to the knowing what's gonna happen. And I think a lot of people are that way as well, that we, when we're in the unknown zone, we don't know what's gonna happen, next, can't see around the next bend, uh, it brings up a great deal of insecurity and fear even. And I think that's where the work for many of us is to be okay, not just to be okay or tolerate the unknown, but to actually embrace the unknown. Mm. And that's a different mindset entirely because then you, you see change not as an enemy, but as your friend. In fact, it could be your best friend. And oftentimes change is your best friend. You just don't know it until two years later or five years later, you look back, oh my God, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. When that business that didn't go well, and at the time you're, you know, we're white knuckling the experience of things being unknown, changing, and not knowing how it's all going to work out. And in the end, we look back and go, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I grew. And we, in, in many ways, we have to grow or we, or we, we grow or we die. It's, it's the way it is in nature. It's the same way it is for us, I think. Yeah, and I think that change is one of those things that we can always rely on. I mean, things are always going to change, whether it is the economy or the, you know, political environment or, you know, where we live or our business. Like, you know, our business is predominantly online. You know, those rules of engagement are changing all the time. Um, and we could either be stuck in one way of doing things um, or we can be really open to go with the flow. So uh, looking at that it is, is really important. Um, so you mentioned rituals before. Uh, so I'm assuming there's some there's some common rituals that we sort of fall into have fall into that are bad habits, and then other rituals are ones that are going to help us, you know, really succeed. So so can you share some of you know both the bad ones and the good ones that you find a lot of people uh, fall into? <laughs> sure, I'll try not to spend too much time on the bad habits. I mean, they're mostly the the stuff that that exists between our ears. So the thoughts that we have, those are really bad habits, habitual negative thinking or thinking about things that don't necessarily serve us in the moment. And I really think that on, on some level, if we, we chunk things down to the smallest possible point 
of, of our attention, it's something that we can all grasp. So for me, an example of that would be, my only responsibility would be to get this moment right. I have no idea what the next moment's gonna bring. I certainly can't control anything that happened a minute ago or last year, but, but if I can get this moment right, if that's my only responsibility, can I get this moment right? So in this moment, can I be as open-hearted as I'm capable? Can I challenge fear coming up or any, uh, you know, sort of anger or resentment or anything else that might just show up? Can I do something, shift my thoughts in the moment to be how I, how I want to experience myself being, which would be loving and open and kind and all that kind of thing. So it's being aware, I think, of the habits that we've got, the rituals for thinking that don't serve us. That's the first piece. And the second thing I think that's really fundamentally important in the work that we are doing now with our clients and many of whom are business clients is on how it is that we create more self, uh, self-care. So as opposed to uh, in corporations, a lot of them, the cultures are built on exhaustion on running people to the point of exhaustion. There's almost no break in our day. There's almost no turning off our business life because of the phone, et cetera. Um, and so because of that, self-care is that much more important. We're, we're exhausted a lot of the time. We're burned out a lot of the time. 18 years, I, I was working 70, 80 hours a week. It's not even so much about the time that you spend working because I still work a lot and I know that you do as well. It's the time that we spend in recovery. It's the rituals that we that we create from recovery that are the key. And when, when you've got a properly aligned recovery ritual with a work ritual, you've got you know something people might call balance or harmony. And I just look at it like I feel great. My energy is is the way I want my energy to be, and I get stuff done. And you know, I think that's as simplistic as it is, it's also really profound because so many people don't take care of themselves well. Mm. So how do you uh, how do you recover? What do you do for self care? Thank you. Um, I swim. I walk. I sit in stillness. I'm a crappy meditator, so I'm not a meditator per se. But to quiet my mind, to read something spiritual that just has me sitting in a heart space for a bit. I love to speak, so, so to be to some conferences or we do a bunch of corporate training as well. So to be in front of a group of people who are working themselves to death and we get to say something that might help them or help the company create a culture for resilience is really, that helps us thrive. I feel great about that. So to me, doing work that fulfills you is a part of the recipe for your own recovery. Right. Yeah, so it sounds like people need to, there's a a few different things, habits, thoughts, um, ways of being that we need to implement. Um, How do we plan for that? Like, how do you you put in a a plan that's going to set you up for success? To me, you got to, again, chunk it down to the smallest step, to the, the one baby step, the first domino that you have to tip. And to me, that's how you start the day. So I just got back from Lake Tahoe. We did a Tahoe. We did a, a TEDx talk where the premise of the talk, the through line, if you will, was this question: What if you destroy your life, no matter what? And a bunch of stories and personal experiences that led me to have this moment of truth for myself. I guess a dark night of the soul where I really questioned: 
my, my, my self-worth and what I was doing in my life. And I think a lot of people do that from time to time, if not every day, just question their worthiness. Um, and my answer, the answer that came back to me was I love myself and I love my life no matter what. And so I got up the next morning and I declared out loud, I love my life. And ever since then, I've had this ritual. I've shared this with people all, all over the world, which has been lovely, that there's just three things that I do to start my day. And a lot of people now have adopted this ritual, this more conscious practice. Habits are sort of things we do unconsciously, like breathing and brushing our teeth, et cetera. So this is just a more conscious way to see it but the first part is that I wake up so everybody that's watching listening to this right now if you're willing to do that one thing tomorrow we're already ahead of the game right now absolutely and that was not a guarantee we're not guaranteed tomorrow either so at the moment when you realize hey I am actually waking up like physically waking up taking a breath there's a an opportunity there to recognize a truth and the truth is that as we're taking that first breath, there are people around this world who are taking the very last breath. So for me, that's a reminder that I can be grateful, grateful for the breath, grateful for the, for, for the opportunity of another day, for the assignment, whatever assignment I might have for that day, um, and to sit in that gratitude for a moment. So I wake up, I feel that gratitude then, and then I say those words, I love my life, four simple words. And it is simplistic, it is a simple practice, but it's also, for me, it's been transformational because it's, it really is about retraining ourselves to care for ourselves and love ourselves. And that little domino sets off a, a chain reaction of things that are pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, well, that's gonna be something that I'm gonna start implementing as soon as tomorrow, <laughs> as soon as I wake up. <laughs> Oh, very cool. So, so Adam, I'm, I want to thank you for joining me today. It's been a, a great subject, and I know that we have only scratched the surface. So, if people want to connect with you or find out more about, uh, you know, Pivot and the project, how can they connect with you? Oh, thank you. Well, we have a, a beautiful um, kickstart guide that we offer to people as a, a gift, and um, they can go to startmypivot.com, startmypivot.com to get this kickstart guide, which is six questions to see where you are in the process of change. I mean, we know that's the one constant. So it's not like you're not, you're ever gonna be free of change. It's just the question of where are you? Are you sort of on the side of designing a change in your life or is something happening sort of underneath your feet that you're not quite aware of, but you can, you can feel it. We always get a sense of that. So those six questions are really profound and it's, um, you know, we're not selling anything. It's, it's a gift and uh, it's really amazing. They want it available on Amazon, or they can, you know, check us out um, on uh, on the web at adammarkel.com. But you know, we, we love the fact that there's there's so many people who are taking a very conscious approach to transition. They realize they want to have more purpose and more more of everything that you know, that money can't buy in their life. I mean, the kind of things that people want, and purpose and happiness and fulfillment, are often a result of things that don't have to do with how much money you earn and you're not opposed to earning a great deal of money but i think it's nice when people are designing their lives first and foremost to feel that way and experience that in their lives without first chasing after the almighty dollars yeah no i agree 
Well, thanks again, Adam. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Natalie. Now, guys, I encourage you, let's please get the word out. Let's share this message. And you can do that by clicking the Facebook in the Twitter share buttons on this page. Now, you can click either the banner to the side or the link underneath this video to go directly to Adam's website so you can find out more about the Pivot Project. Uh, and after all of that is over, don't forget to click the link below that so you can download the free ebook version of my best-selling book, Never in Your Wildest Dreams. So until next time, remember to live large, choose courageously, and love without limits. See you soon.